Welcome to the Motorsport Republica podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Christopher Mullen. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Chris. Really appreciate it. And also, having us at your house is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Thanks for coming up. It's, um, I don't mind doing this stuff. It brings back a lot of memories. Feels like a long time ago, and I'm in a different stage of life. But yeah, I like talking motorbikes. We do as well. We do as well. We, one of my earliest memories watching MotoGP was yourself. Okay. Um, in those years, the you make me feel old now <laughs> already. No, that's yeah, right. well, <laughs> but it was just that you know, for me growing up, it was that that blue Suzuki was yep. which yeah. is something that I, in my memory, I remember that seeing down around the track, seeing an Aussie doing well. So it's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it was cool. You know, I, I got to say. From, I wasn't ever a color guy or anything, but yep. our team manager, Paul Denning, was really crucial on, we didn't have the best bike when we started, but if you've got something that's iconic, yeah. people will follow. And, yeah. and and then the money came and then the, the results came better. So it, it is important as well. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, we, we, we're a big livery kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, Dan, Daniel and I always have the debate of what's the best livery out there and the Rizzler has to be top three i reckon yeah it always gets gets put in the top three for sure and you go around um like philip island these days and you still see people rocking the rizzler suzuki jackets and it's still around a lot of replicas on the road a lot of replicas on the road they did they did well with those things didn't they as well yep yep Yep. that's wicked yeah so what are you doing with yourself these days um so i live up here on the sunshine coast well the hinterland of the sunshine coast and um We've got a bit of land. We've got 50 acres, so there's always something to do. And if I don't have anything to do, well, my wife's got a list for me, so that, that never <laughs> ends. But um, I've got two young daughters as well. Um, they're 10, the oldest, and the youngest just about to turn eight. So um, they ride motorbikes. And because we're on land, they're active. And there's yeah. animals, there's chickens, there's cows here, there's dogs, there's guinea pigs. There's, mm. It's like old McDonald's farm. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, spent a lot of time with them. And I... Uh, I Earned well when I was racing, obviously. So I um, invested some of that money and That's awesome. got some commercial properties that I manage. So I look after those as well. And that keeps me in sort of a day job. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's awesome. Are you still on the, the bike at all? I ride dirt bikes a fair bit. Yeah. Um, I don't ride a lot on the road. I've got a couple of adventure bikes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's my only sort of road riding. Yeah. Um, it's different to ride on the road to race yeah. in Grand Prix or World Superbike or, or any top level of racing, you know. Um, so... I, I use the roads to get to the dirt bits and that's where I have my fun. Yeah, yeah nice. Wicked. Yeah, I see a few Instagram posts you're getting around on a ga- couple of gas gases. Yeah, I've got a couple of like gas that. gases, yeah. Um, I ride a bit with my brother-in-law. Yeah. Um, so I've got a 354 stroke and a 302 stroke because I can't decide which one I want. So yeah. it's better to have two and then he doesn't complain either because he's got a bike to ride. But um, yeah, no, that's no, good fun. That's cool. Daniel and I will have to take note, I think. Yeah. That. Yeah, that's, that's, we've been trying to find someone who can tell us what the difference is. We're trying to work it out. We've almost had three gas gases in the uh, for the Republic Air Garage. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for the the lack of stock, but yeah. So, you're two, two stroke or four stroke, man? Well, that, me, four stroke. I grew up on that. Yeah. Jim and Tom. Yeah. I think more two stroke. Yeah, for, definitely, two, uh, definitely four stroke. Oh, you four, you're four yeah, stroke? Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I, I'm more two stroke mad, but I got a 350 four stroke and it it is easy yeah. in some yeah. ways some I, need, ways I it, need all the help that i can get it, yeah, it feels like you're cheating sometimes <laughs> yeah. you know? like you get this big climb and you're like that wasn't actually that hard yeah. and then you get on the two stroke and you're, you're working and it's different but yeah i'm i'm a bit older so i'm i grew up on the two strokes and yeah i yeah. still love them still no love they're, them. they're fun we uh i just bought I, a i feel like that's the only thing i missed out on sorry to interrupt no, right. it was that the 500 two stroke days you oh. know that for me was yeah infamous yeah yep and i and i wish I wish I was 10 years older and that's where I 
came in and I got to actually race one. And it, my teammate John Hopkins yep. started his career on them. He in just raves about them and how different they were and how hard they were to ride. So, yeah. but, they look yeah, so the scary. Yeah. Like there's some of those high sides high sides you'd see. I know. It's um oh stuff that. And no like, mercy. It, and no mercy and the leathers weren't as good back then as well. <laughs> like it was just the helmets were as good, the runoff area wasn't as good. Yeah, there wasn't really safety didn't matter, did it? You're a warrior. Yeah. That's it. Oh, it's funny. So do you have anything to do with racing still these days or not so much. Yep. Apart from my odd bit of T V yep. work. I did I obviously did a lot more previously but uh it's become less and i did the australian grand prix this year i did one round of the australian superbikes yep, yep. for for um for ma for asbk um and i might go to europe sort of once a year my wife's english so yep. sometimes we go over there and i might do little bits there but um otherwise no not really involved in in racing mm. i feel like sometimes i feel like i want to be more but being in australia i think we're just a little bit too far away yeah. you know if i was yeah. If I was Spanish or something, I'd probably be involved much more. But yeah. um, my life's here, my wife, my kids, yeah. my family, sisters, parents, all that sort of stuff. So that's why I'm back here. Yeah, you seem like you're enjoying the retirement life. Yeah, I <laughs> I do retirement okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm happy where I am right now. Like I say, it's, it's a bug. And it's funny when I go to Phillip Island or we might go to Europe and see a race, when you're actually at the track, it's like, yeah, this is cool. But... Um, you know being on the other side of the world and trying to be involved in the sport it's it's not the same that's why racing yeah. is racing and if you can see it in real life it's mm. it, it's a passion isn't it you know so yeah yep. definitely sure so just on that as well being on the other side of the world and a bit harder what was the pathway like for you getting overseas um i guess i so i started racing dirt bikes from a young age or not that young not as young as casey stoner for example but um about 11 years old yep. i started doing flat track and became quite fast sort of 13 14 years old we won a lot of races a lot of championships but it, it was quite it was quite tough in our day we had casey stoner anthony mm. west brock parks damian cudlin and then a few other guys that didn't go successful as successful in road racing but we were all sort of within a couple of years of each other um so mm -hmm. it was pretty tough dirt track sort of times um and then i wanted to have a go at road racing and you couldn't till you were 16 at that okay. time uh but i could practice at lakeside at 15 so um mum and dad bought me a about a 10 year old 125 gp bike and okay. um went and did a little bit of practicing and i was quite quick and i loved it i just loved the speed so that's what i lived for and um did my i did so I turned 16 in June of 98, did six months of, uh, of racing on a 250 GP bike. I did three rounds of the Australian Championship on a 250 GP bike and three rounds on a 600 Supersport bike because Yamaha had a rider that got injured. So okay. they basically had a bike and I knew the head mechanic and they just put me on because there was this sort of space and a free bike and I learned a lot. I, w I uh, won two of the 250 races, yeah, okay. um, so I was quite quick on that. But oh. the levels different. The super, the 600 was was um, a lot of the superbike riders were coming back to ride the, yep. the 600 supersport class. So I was running like eighth to tenth or eighth to fifteenth place. But I'm learning a lot and learning very quickly. Yep. Um, and the next year from that experience, Yamaha gave me an R1. To well, I had the option. I got an R1 off Yamaha to race uh, the Australian superbike championship when they had this production class involved so we were allowed thousand cc production bikes with this the uh four cylinders were 750s yeah. at the time um and uh so i did a year there and i was this young kid i was 16 started out and 
you know, there was Craig Connell, Steve Martin, Adam Ferguson, um, Paul Free was still riding then. Uh, there, there was a lot of top guys. Um, and I was this young kid and I got a couple of podiums and, and our races, a few of our races were on TV. Yeah. Um, and Barry Sheen was the commentator. So Baz come and introduced himself to me and I got to know him. And he's, as the year progressed, he's like, what are you doing next year? And I said, oh, I got an offer to stay here with Kawasaki, an offer from Honda, an offer from Ducati. And he goes, do you want to, do you want to leave Australia? And I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to, you know, the goal is to race world superbikes or 500s. And, um, he's like, oh, well you need to go to America or England. And I was like, oh, sounds, sounds easy, but how does that happen? And he goes, oh, let me make a few phone calls. And, um, yeah, a couple of weeks later, Baz rings me and he goes, oh, I've got you, I've got you, uh, test organized for a team in England for British super sport and super stock. They're called Sanyo Honda. Um, you got to head over there in about three weeks time. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I'm, seven, I'm 17 by then. I got the phone until mum. She's like, "Well, hang on a minute, you know, like, wait, what, where are we going with this?" But um, I went over and and in the same phone call, he goes, oh, "I also rang Dane Easy. He speaks fluent Italian or spoke fluent Italian." And um, yeah, I got some. I got your two leather suits. I got your three pairs of gloves. I got you some AGV helmets. Um, because mum and dad were still paying for all this stuff. Yeah. So so mum and dad thought it was like Christmas because they were getting this free stuff. And um, So he just saw something in you. and Yeah, just, he just, and he loved helping a lot of people, you know. Um, just give me the opportunities. Yeah, yeah he, he just didn't have to do that, you know. That's the he didn't amazing to, thing. But he was still a massive star and I got a lot to owe to Barry. And But later on that year and the next year, I saw him at the British GP and he was huge. You know, I mean the the autograph tent so they had kenny roberts jr as world champion valentino rossi alex crivier was there max biaggi and then barry sheen as an ex-rider and his queue was 10 times longer than wow. the rest put together yeah, you know he would, and he made t- time for every and he kissed every woman on the cheek <laughs> twice and he you know he like did. he's just he just had charisma there was something yeah. about buzz he was he was very cool yeah, we're slowly hearing more and more stories about Barry Sheen because he was just before our time. Yeah. And um, it's just really interesting. And he embraced Australia as well and Australians. So, he, sorry, he embraced, he embraced he did, Australia. He did, yeah. um, very much so. Like, yeah. it wasn't only me help. Like, from the early days, it was Wayne Gardner. Like, yeah. he had a bit of help with Wayne. You know, when Barry was world champion, this Aussie guy's coming to England. Mm. Baz helped him. And then Mick Doohan... Um, so I'm still friends with Barry's son, Freddie Sheen. Yeah. Um, he's a couple of years younger than me. And Freddie showed me, a, he's got a fax, an original fax paper that Barry sent to the president of HRC saying, there's this young Australian, Mick, Michael Doohan, his name is, he's going really good over here. And Yamaha want to put him on a 500. You really need to look at this guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. more or less is what it says. Uh, he helped Troy Corsa, um, Gary McCoy. He yeah. set up everything. Gary McCoy did like three Australian road races. Done a really good speedway rider. Did three races. Barry saw some potential. There was a one-two-five position opening at the Australian Grand Prix. And Baz said, oh, you've got to put this young guy on. Mm. And then he went and got himself a world championship ride out of it. You know, like he could, he just loved helping people that, that put the effort in themselves. It doesn't yeah. seem like it happens like that these days. It's just... <sighs> I think the whole sport's different as yeah. well. It's a lot more... It's a lot more... Uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is. A lot more money involved, basically. Yeah, uh, I think you know. Yeah, it's definitely about who. Still, it's still about who you know, though. That's oh, very much. That's, so. that's motor racing in general and and money. So does help. Amazing helps it go around. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So going over to Europe, uh, how daunting was that? Because you obviously you were so young, and then you know you're racing in a brand new country. Like it must have been 
quite full on. It was. I, my parents had got pretty good. Sorry, holding the microphone. Pretty good <laughs> stories um, uh, from it. You know, when I I left here in January, like Sunshine Coast, Queensland, January yeah. summer, and landed in England. It was bloody freezing, and I had one <laughs> one pair of jeans, you know, and shorts, and I thought all the trees were dead because I hadn't seen many deciduous <laughs> trees, and. Um, yeah so it was but i was there just to ride bikes yeah. so I, I thought it was fantastic and i remember going we tested in spain just south of barcelona and um i remember my mum came over with me dad mum and dad own a business and dad couldn't leave for work um so mum came came with me i was still a minor obviously and um i remember telling mum like there was a rack of wheels and tires and i said see i get to use all of them you know because racing here we had a budget of a, one set of tires per weekend. So wow. I'd run out on my old <laughs> tires and then put a new set in, do a couple laps in qualifying and then use them for the races. And then I remember going there and this team was sponsored by Dunlop. And we had, we had like six fronts and 10 rear tires. I'm thinking, this is for a test. I've got all those tires to use. It was, <laughs> it was cool. Um, but it was, it was daunting. I reckon probably halfway through that first year, I did get homesick, you know, because there's a bit of a break. So while I was racing and busy, it was fine. But you've left all your friends, your family, mm -hmm. everything you know. And I was living in the UK, and look, I, I had a great team, and I and I knew some people. But it is, it was a little bit daunting. I think at 17, um, going through that. But I guess the results came, and it's what I love doing. So that was that was more important, and it's what I love. I, I I had I never crossed my mind to stop and just come back home. Put it that way. So. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Hmm. that's absolutely wicked man i couldn't imagine doing that at 17 no way <laughs> when no. i look at it now i've got kids i'm like it's the last thing i'm gonna let my daughters <laughs> oh, do you know like yeah. head to europe at 17 so yeah it'd be and and so the following year was my first year in the world championship and i pretty much just had a little motorhome and drove around to races yeah you know like it's yeah it, it's quite it's when i look at it now you go wow but at the time i was like oh this is this is what i do you yeah. know so i'm just off and here i go and yeah, I had my 18th birthday on my own, on my way between uh, maybe a German race, an Italian race. I was at a, a caravan park in Austria on a lake. You know, Just, it was, was pre-data pre on mobile phones or anything. I had a phone, but... <laughs> it's too expensive to call anyone so just <laughs> just hung out you know so yeah it's some wild stories yeah wow. very different you grow up quickly huh you in some way my wife will say in some ways i'm grown up. i grew up quickly in other ways so what was the process from there you went to europe yep um what did you race what was so i raced race? uh, the british championship that yep. first year for sanyo honda so we were was sort of like the second honda team I, and i rode in super sport and super stock so um 600 in super sport and super stock that was the 954 fireblade yep, in 2000 yep, yep and uh did pretty well um my first round was at brands hatch didn't know any of the tracks obviously qualified on the front row of the grid so it was all about making a name for yourself so and all the races are televised and i remember keith ewan was one of the tv commentators there and he's like who's this kid you know barry told me about him but i didn't think he'd be on the front row of the grid so it's all about you know when you get the opportunities making the most of them and a few podiums a few race wins that year i think i finished third maybe in the super stock championship and fourth or fifth in the super sport championship yes, um some pretty fast mm. guys bit of inconsistency but i was i was young and but from that uh i did the i wild card in the european super stock race that came with world superbikes to donnington yeah and uh 
I qualified on pole, fastest lap, won the race by about 15 seconds. And and so that opened a lot of doors because um, I'd been to Donington for a British round earlier that year. So I knew the track. So it of just, course, yeah. just made it, so did the other riders, but it, it helped me because everywhere I went that year, it was a new track, new track, new track. Um, and uh, yeah, that opened doors. So at the end of that year, that was the year 2000, Castrol Honda had a world super sport rider that injured themselves and I got the call up to fill in. Um, so I went to Assen. I did Assen, uh, Lausitzring in Germany and then Brands Hatch and um, Assen. I finished 10th. Lausitzring qualified on the second row of the grid. Mm. Um, got taken out the first corner with a, it was a big pile up. And then uh, Brands was n- not too bad, but again, difficult track. I had to learn the full circuit. Um, it's a wild track, Brands Hatch. Underrated. <laughs> really scary yeah yeah it's not much like, runoff not much either. runoff not much runoff a lot of undulation i never did well there so i went there for a lot of world super sport and superbike races and i i i got at a couple of podiums yeah. which is good but i was never it was not somewhere i excelled you know? yeah. yeah there were some british tracks that were worse i don't know yeah. if you've seen some of them like um there's some oh, real Cadwell park, Cadwell park. park. Yeah. i remember turning up to Cadwell like park track. the first time <laughs> and and we drove in and it's like in this it's really nice area like countryside rolling hills and then there's this walked on and i didn't realize it's on the track i thought it was the pit lane and it's narrow and it's like goes sort of between trees and i'm carrying i'm thinking yeah where's the track and they're like you're standing on it i'm like yeah it was we don't interesting build, we don't build them like here in australia like oh all thank god fast flowing. <laughs> it's, they had some wacky as we always said that, that it's got that jump in it doesn't it yeah, yeah it does. it's got a jump in it yeah it's, it's got you get air see like, top rack around there yeah johnny ray's i think leaped it as well yeah, yeah. yeah that's nice. you know um josh brooks yeah the australian yep. he's he's really good around it but he's he's a good dirt bike rider as well yeah. you know so yeah what's your favorite circuit probably laguna saker wow yeah, laguna nice. and phillip island even though i didn't do well on a motor gp bike at phillip island this this thing just didn't work around there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those two, I reckon. Yeah. yeah Laguna Sakers, a lot of a lot of riders say that. Yeah. I wish it was still on the calendar. It's cool. Yeah. You know, the other place that was really good, it's not my favorite, but it's right up there is um, Istanbul in Turkey when we went there for a couple of years. Yeah, that turn eight. Yeah. Like those left-handers. And, and yeah. then the kink in the back straight was yeah. nearly flat out. Yeah. You just rolled and back up one of the fastest corners in the world. I like that place too. But yeah. Really that's gross. That was political why we didn't go there in the end. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bernie yeah. Eccleston owned it. Okay. And then he didn't want bikes to go. And then and then he obviously lost the ownership of F1. So, yeah. So yeah. Well, F1 went back there a few years ago. Okay. And, and it was um, it was during COVID times and it was ah. like winter. And okay. they just couldn't get it. It couldn't grip. Like okay. there was, it was a wild race and it started raining and then. Yep. But yeah, wild circuit. Yeah. Really cool yeah, circuit. Yeah, That's really that cool. famous at the end of the straight where Weber and Vettel collided. Ah, oh, is that where yeah, they're okay? Yeah, 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 that's the yeah, end yeah. of the that's at the end of the end of the straight. Yeah. Back straight. Yes. Interesting. Yes. So you're racing BSB doing well there. Mm-hmm. Um you then get the call up obviously for World yep, Super World Sport. World Supersport. And I did all right in that bike and that so that was two thousand. Um they offered me a full time ride for two thousand and one. And I thought, yeah, this is cool. So I signed for Castrol Honda. Yeah. You know, the iconic colors. How good's that? This I was the only Supersport rider um and they had two superbike riders in colin edwards and taddy Carter. so yep. i'm i'm well, in the garage with like <laughs> two of my heroes and just thinking how cool is this um but it was the worst year of my international career pretty much wow so we were the only no there was two other bikes on michelin's but there was three of us on michelin's and we just got smoked by pirelli and yep. dunlop 
pretty mm-hmm. much um and we struggled we struggled with front tires there was no real, more development in super sport tires so they the super bikes were on 16 and a half inch slicks we were on a 17 inch treaded tire yeah it was quite different and um pirelli and dunlop just yeah i think my i got one fifth place and a lot of crashes and just really inconsistent but it was it was down to tires mainly um so it was like wow going from a high and my career is accelerating to like i finished 17th in the world championship super sport it's like you know it's not really mm-hmm. anything to cry home about there weren't really many opportunities for the next year but um i got the opportunity to sign with vans on honda which was sort of a second team for to tenkata yeah um in world super sport and um it was run by a, a belgian guy called werner damon and he was the other rider so he'd seen me on track thought yeah i've got some potential and brought me in and um and that year i had a pretty good bike not quite as good as the tenkata bikes but pretty close and but i had a pole position quite a few front row starts two or three podiums and that really opened the door and then tenkata gave me a ride in world super sport for 2003 and uh that's when we wrapped up the championship beautiful yeah it's so it sort of went bad and then it went quite good pretty quickly yeah yeah so when when you're that championship year do you just feel everything just click with the bike is it a mindset is it just team it's, everything it's, yeah you're yeah all those yeah. all of those points um it's like the first round i finished second to fujiwara at uh valencia and um i thought well we're on here like it was pretty good then we came to philip island was the second round and i fastest in every session pole position and i won the race it was my first ever world championship full world championship win and i remember i won by a fair way and just thinking like you're hearing noises you you don't want to make a mistake you know there's all that going through your head um then we went to sugo in japan i finished fourth uh but fujiwara didn't have a great race um and then we were on to europe and there was just a lot of wins i I mean a bad weekend it was third um even at monza I remember I, in practice, I ran off the track uh, down one of those, it's obviously very fast, mm. into a gravel trap and I broke the ligament off my thumb here and my thumb dislocated right back. I didn't crash and I had to get, I was in so much pain, my hand was huge. They had to get like a double or triple XL glove, cut it, put an extra panel in it to make it fit for the race. I was in painkillers and I still went and won the race on Sunday. You know, like when everything's, right yeah yeah it's right um and uh and it was really strong and it was it was the same a couple of years later when we were on the superbike yeah with tankata just eventually things started to click with the bike with the tires everything and and it's like a bad weekend we were fourth or fifth a good weekend it was like i can run around one hand on the handlebar and i'm still competitive you know and don't ask me how that happens sometimes and not Mm. other times but yeah it's it's a good feeling when it is Mm. Yep. you feel invincible yeah i was gonna say it's kind of the magic of motorsport sometimes mm. it's just um yeah it just clicks i was actually just listening to a podcast of ben spees and okay. gypsy tales and um it was interesting what he said is when he was on a moto gp bike i think he said it was four basically four combined days he ever felt comfortable on that motorcycle especially coming from world super bikes to moto gp where grand prix bikes are obviously not production based uh, prototypes it's so different but you know once you're once you're on the bike and it's clicking it must be just magical it is it's it is really good and i do remember those days and i had a few of them on the 
Grand Prix bike as well, but less compared to the super bike. And I think Ben's right. I think that more production based bike, it, it allows a bit more flex. The Pirelli tire was very different to the tires we were using, especially when it was open tire rule in MotoGP. So they gave a bit more feeling as well. And yeah, you just, it, it just, it was easier to feel good. Like the Grand Prix bike, there's a lot more stuff you got to play with to, mm. to get right. But when it is clicking, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. Oh yeah, I bet. The, yeah. the start of that season, did you hop on that bike in testing and just go, this feels great? Is or- this in the Supersport yeah, days? Yeah. Not really. Okay. It was pretty- <laughs> I remember when we first got the bike. So Carl Muggeridge was going to be my teammate. Yeah. Um, and uh, we turned up. Fabian Ferre had won the championship the year before yep. um, on the old CBR1000. And we got the, the 03 when it was the first time the, the pipe untailed. came up under the yeah. seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember we went Honda because we were the main Honda team. Honda brought out our supported pack or whatever, all their bits they put on it, like, like HRC. And um, we turned up to Estoril to test. And so we had Fabian's bikes from last year, the championship bike, because he went to Kawasaki. And then the, the new bikes. And we got on the new ones and they were just terrible. <laughs> like, it was so bad. We were like, oh, here we go. This, what's, what's going on here? And I remember Carl and I going, oh, we're going to have to ride the old bike for a while. But, but Tenkata did their magic. Yeah. And that's where they were. They were good. It was just the little details in, in bringing everything together and... No one could build a super sport bike like them, you know. They could really put so something successful. together. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. And even our superbike days, like when I went there in 04, we weren't HRC supported. It was 10 Carter. Like the fairings were duct taped together. The steering damper was electronic underneath and they thought it was working, but where how they changed the ECU, there was no steering damper. Because I used to say the thing used to shake and well, it was hard to hang on to. But man, they could put the right bits in to make the thing work, you know. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. So we're 05? Yeah, it was 04. And then 04 and 05, I rode for Tenkata in, in World Superbike. World Superbikes, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. 04, 04, I led the championship uh, with three rounds, three races to go, one and a half rounds after the first race in um, Imola. Imola and um, that would have been a wild circuit. Yeah, it was cool. I yeah. loved Imola. Really yeah, liked yeah, Imola. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was, so I finished second in the first race to Regis Laconi. Yeah. And uh, and I think I led the championship by one point or three points or something mm-hmm. over Laconi. So there was myself, Laconi, Tozland, and Haga, all really close points. Because um, I was a rookie, so my start of my year was terrible. Mm-hmm. But then I won, I won like three or four on a trot and caught back a heap of points and uh um anyway yeah finished second there to Laconi did quite well went out in the warm-up lap for the second race on my bike and I uh, said this it, it had like a, a it was messy it was planned up like mm. it had the, it just wouldn't run properly so I come back to the grid and the team wheeled wheeled it off and wheeled the other bike back on and uh so I hadn't ridden and then we got the warm-up lap I'd taken off and one of the mechanics didn't connect an oil hose properly. And I went into turn one and the oil on the back tire and just did this huge high side. And um, there's a there's a photo around somewhere. Giovanni Busset was a rider, Ducati. He gave me a lift back to the pits. And he mm-hmm. actually got in trouble because Tardozzi kicked up a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff about it because um him. yeah I, was, I like david we, we got on really well, but obviously he's fighting for his team and yeah, I'm yeah. challenging his team. And um and 
Busay got a ride through penalty, but I basically I jumped the pit wall, got on my spare bike, had to pass the safety car, and I come back to about fifth. And then I found out I had a broken scaphoid, a chipped hip, a broken bone in my in my foot as well, and um, and I was second in the world championship. And then we went to the last round, so I've got three broken bones. The next weekend, roast Magnicor, and the bike stopped in both races. Oh, you know, so it was a killer end to the championship. And then 05, uh, we started as championship favourites, but we. Um, we just we just got caught off guard. We weren't competitive. Troy Corsa was really strong on that Suzuki. He came he came out firing and won a lot of races at the start of the year. And it was probably about fourth or fifth round in before we sort of got our groove going. And I think I won. Well, it might have been six of the last eight races. Wow. Um, there was one second place, and then the last very last race, the chain fell off. But um, but Corsa won it with a full round to go, the championship. Um, we were just too many points behind and I finished second in that world championship. But um, yeah, I remember I lost 25 points for a win at Monza because my bike didn't cut off. So we had, look, we had a little bit of bad luck. Yeah. Um, and Tenkata, Honda wanted me to stay in World Superbike. I wanted to go to MotoGP. Mm. I got an opportunity with Suzuki. Honda thought I was bluffing them. Long story short, I signed with Suzuki and Honda. Honda offered me more than double the money that Suzuki paid me to stay in World Superbike because they won the championship one. And I just said straight out, I said, look, in my eyes, I've won the championship. You've lost it because we had a few mechanical issues that lost us points. I know that happens to everyone, but um, I said, no, this is, I need to get to MotoGP. And and yeah, so that's that's when I uh, changed to uh, Suzuki. Wow. How, How did that all come about of Suzuki approaching you? So I had a meeting with Paul Denning probably i'm going to say like august of 05 and he he's shown a little bit of interest that there might be a spot available um i bet him at heathrow airport he, i was flying in from somewhere he was flying in from a gp and um and i was like cool that's that's like a door open um but basically the end of 05 troy bayless broke his wrist right a dirt bike here yep. and it, and i got to fill in for him at um phillip yep. island yep and uh so because i was honda's sort of main yeah, outside right. guy so i raced at imola magnicore straight to phillip island like i wrapped up the superbike championship finished second went to um phillip island never never ridden michelin's never ridden carbon brakes never yeah. ridden a motor gp bike and, and i i i either finished 10th or 11th i can't remember i was somewhere there yeah, well, anyway great effort that's it was just, i was very happy with it yeah and that's when denning came there's basically a contract on the table now and that's when i was talking to honda is there anything and they're like no 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 but come to turkey next weekend so it's four weekends in a row so i went to istanbul and i beat i beat nearly every other honda rider i beat biagi i beat tamada i beat a few other honda guys so i thought yeah this is good but i've got a i got a lot i need to learn about riding these gp bikes and um Honda was still thought I was bluffing, so that's that's it was in Turkey that I signed for mm. for Suzuki MotoGP wow. for the following so same yeah. weekend. And then I was supposed to go to Valencia two weeks later, but then obviously when I signed for Suzuki, yeah. Honda said, "Yeah, no, you're not riding that now." So, <laughs> but I got to tell you that V5 990 Honda MotoGP bike, I've never ridden an engine like it. There's that thing. There's no wonder that oh, it was the easiest motor to ride in wow, the world. If you could get the, if Michelin would give you the good tires. That's another story, but um, <laughs> please elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> I remember Bayless telling me, "Oh, man, there's difference with Michelin. You know, Valentino gets stuff, and then last well, team- Jorge Martin, he yeah, has a theory about say, that yeah. as well. His his teammate 
Bayless's teammate who was mine for those two races was Alex Barros. I could tell you, my, you Barros. My, my numbers were like, oh, for my tire was like five numbers long and his were like 12 numbers long. Interesting. And I'm like, can I get the tire that Alex is? Oh, yours is the same, except it's just this little bit different. Oh. I'm thinking, oh yeah, here we go. So, and I, this is so different, but from an engine, that yeah. Honda 990, that, that was the coolest thing. And I, and I had no electronics on my Honda Superbike in 04 and 05, like zero. Wow. So we had 200 and I don't know, 20 horsepower in first gear <laughs> or, or six. It, it, it's, you just rode it yeah, up there. It you know, right you, you had a clutch, yep. a brake, <laughs> front and rear brake and a, and a throttle. And um, I got to the MotoGP one. And I remember coming onto the straight at Phillip Island and um, my crew chief was, uh, he goes, oh, you're using full power and full throttle in fourth. And I went, yeah. He goes, we'll give you more power. I'm like, there's more? There's more power? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we could give. I'm like, yeah, we'll have more, you know. But um, God, no, you can see cool. your face really light up when you talk about yeah. that bike. It must have just been an it experience. It was awesome. It was so cool. But going from a super bike that was very quick to that, yeah, I remember the step and having to use the rear brake as you crest the hill at Phillip Island because yeah. at over 300, it wanted to wheelie, wow. you know. Like electronics were way less advanced, but it had some. Yeah. But wow, it was cool. Yeah, very cool. Is That's it, when I knew I wanted to stay in MotoGP. Is there um, too much electronics now, you reckon? Yep. Yeah. Without doubt. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a hard one. I know street bikes have got them now and I know yeah. everything's evolving. Mm. But the racing would be better with no, with a lot less aero. Yeah. However, yeah. they manage that. We with, have a yeah, big fear on, on that. Yeah, yeah, with no ride height devices yeah. and with way, way less electronics. Go, British Superbike do a great job with their minimal electronic system. Mm, yeah. Very minimal. You yeah. Know. And it's a successful that's, championship that's, that's as well. It's a great championship. And it makes for great racing. Well, yeah. yeah. They talk about safety, but there's still massive no. high sides. There's still crazy. Like there's- Look more at Jack's high side on the weekend. Yeah. Jack yeah. Miller's like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, It'll happen. Um, there's still more crashes than ever in MotoGP. Thank you. Yeah. Because, yeah. There's, because there's only one area you can risk now. Yeah. And that's going in. So there's this, all these front end crashes. Yeah. I think- I think, in my opinion, Formula One is about technology. Mm. MotoGP will never compete with Formula One in technology. Correct. MotoGP is successful and it's a sport that's loved because the racing is exciting. Yeah. And people see these these guys sitting on a machine and they're warriors, you know. They've they, they got no protection yeah. and they're flying and they're going to pass each other and there's going to be uh, 20 overtakes for the lead yeah. in a race. That's what we need to see mm. and that's what... what in my opinion, that's what will make MotoGP exciting again. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah how yeah. they do that, it's it's not easy. I don't pretend to know, oh, go and change the rules and do this and do that. You know, there's there's lots of money invested there and there's, there's lots of different interests. So, yeah. yeah, we have this conversation probably weekly, talk about aero and yep. the different races. Like you look at Phillip Island, you look at Thailand and they all would fit completely different races. Uh, later on in the season, there was just that... Ugh, you just found the overheating, the tires, the tire pressures. It's just, they've nearly got it. Yeah, just, almost, but not quite. Yeah, yeah. The tire yeah. pressure thing. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The Giantonia, it was 0. 0.01 of a bar under. It's yeah. ridiculous. That's, that's, that's 0. 0.1 of a PSI, basically. Yeah. It's, and he gets penalized. He nearly and won the race. And is the rule next year that yeah. they get disqualified? Oh, I think it's... If it happens twice. Twice, twice yeah. or something. So like, that's just going to ruin the championship. It's just not. Yeah. And if it decides the championship like that, that's even worse. You know, and that's what Frankie Carcetti, um, Fabio's crew chief, said. Saturday sprint race, we were 0.2 of a bar high. So we worked off that and we went 0.2 lower or 0.15 lower because we knew this and that. And 
but we went just under any in, in point two of a bar over he had nothing yeah. no grip it's like yeah, oh, it's, it's it's how do you know if yeah. you're going to follow someone and it's, it's about just, humidity it's about temperature it's all sorts I look of stuff. i understand michelin might need that for safety and they don't want a tire to go but they're going to have to change something else then mm. you know and and it's not really michelin's fault michelin have built a tire around bikes from 2018 2019 yeah not bikes with all these wings hanging off them. Yeah, that, yeah that's right. That force True. all this pressure. So that's a great point. The the tire technology hasn't kept up with where the bikes have gone. Mm. I think we've noticed that too throughout the season. You can see it. Yeah. Multiple times. Yep. People struggling. I mean, take Martin from Qatar. Yep. Prime example. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that that's though I reckon, and it's always happened with one. Sometimes you get a dud tire. Yeah, there's that. And as well. it, and when it's the championship, it's it's talked about a lot. Of course. And. And they might say, and it's really hard, like Michelin say they're going to go back and they're going to cut this tire and evaluate it. But if he's 1% off, 1%, mm. that's one second a lap. Yeah. No, he wasn't even that. He yeah. was, what, half a second a lap? Yeah. 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 And it, kill, it kills you, right? It kills your championship. That's half of 1%. How can they evaluate if the tire is, you know what I mean? It's, it's a tricky one. Mm. Yeah. It's a tough spot to be in. Just on yeah. that, I want to I ask, on Martin, what do you think about, did you watch the Qatar race? Yes. So I just want to know your thoughts on when he got past and he just his body language, like shaking the head. Is that like something you think that's sort of, I don't want to say weak minded, but like he's already defeated? Yeah. I like, think so. Think too. That, just, that just ruins him that's for the rest the, of the race. But that's probably, oh, excuse me, that's probably what makes him successful too. Yes. Because he's hot headed. He's, he puts it all on the line. Yeah. But now he knows. And as a rider, when there's a bad tire or something, you know. Yeah, it's course. something hard to measure, but you, it's just feel it. a feeling. And it, it might be three, two, three tenths a lap and you go, nah, something's not right in the box. And it's, and when you're in that world, it's a disaster. Like, oh, geez, get that tire out, you know? Like, yeah. And he know he probably knew and he's going, what can I do? I've, yeah. I've got to hang out here for another 23 laps or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah it's just interesting. We were talking about it because we've seen him do the same thing uh, we, last night. That's yeah. right. You said um, last night. Just we, we saw him again, and then Daniel's like, um, basically said straight away, no, nah, he's done. He's done. And it was yeah, like three corners later. That's he right. He, he put into- the pass on Vinales, and Vinales passed him back, and he's yeah. shaking his head. And you're like, yeah. well, it's not Maverick's fault. He's, it's he's racing. still racing. He's racing. He's not just yeah. going yeah, to pull aside and let you go. Through, yeah. like, it's not 100%. It's not the way it goes, is it? Yeah. No, exactly. So. No, I get that. Yeah. And I, that might be his. Uh, immaturity i guess you know he's not as experienced he's, yeah he? just so young. young as well like yep. just crazy these yep. these kids and these latin background <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah, face yeah. It, they're flamboyant aren't they yeah. well you know? that's true it's like uh, look alicia spargo he's the same oh. he's just hot-headed no, no, that's as. different that's just <laughs> he, went, he went over the line quite a few times i think yep yeah look i don't i, I like alicia as a person but man he pushes some points a bit too far doesn't he, at oh, times, so. yeah he just needs to know when to just mm. take don't slap there. people on the helmet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not gonna do anything so take us back to 06 MotoGP bike yep um day one <coughs> what, what was so it the like? first time i rode the bike would have been uh valencia test so the end of 05 yeah yep. so i didn't go to the valencia race i just turned up on the monday for the tuesday test and um i got on it and i was fast i was because valencia's it's a funny track mm. and i thought geez this thing turns good it didn't it lacked power the suzuki and its electronic system wasn't as advanced as some of the others uh, they used mitsubishi electronics in the early days yeah compared to magneti morelli um but like testing i was i was quick i was as quick as my teammate 
Hopkins um, or maybe quicker. I don't remember, but everything worked really well. Um, but then we went to Sepang and it's a track that needed more horsepower, a track I didn't know. So I, I'd never been there before. I had to learn that. And I was like, oh, this is back to reality. You know, now we're back to 15th fastest or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a bit of work. And I reckon the hardest thing for me in 06 coming from Superbike was I knew about 50% of the tracks. So I, and I wasn't allowed to go and ride any bike on the tracks before I raced at that time. That was the rule. Oh. So you couldn't even take a production bike. No, I, I'm pretty sure there was something anyway. Yeah. We, we couldn't do apart from our testing. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know. Oh, I can't remember. I didn't know Magello. I didn't know Mategi. I didn't. Oh, there, there was a lot of tracks. You couldn't play it on the PlayStation back then either, could you? Well, there was not. There was nothing <laughs> like that. There was no social media. There yeah. was no, it wasn't easy. You Wikipedia. Know? Um, no, maybe there was Wikipedia. So yeah, no, there was no. There was no simulators. Yeah. There was no. Yeah, exactly. So um, it was it was tricky, and that put me always. I felt like I was always on the back foot because you're course. like a day behind. Oh, you're yeah. trying to learn the track. Practice one um, would have just been a learning curve. And exactly. Yeah. Um, so. It was it was tough that year, but then a few tracks that I did know, like Laguna Seca, I put it on pole. Uh, Turkey, I put it on pole, um, and Laguna, I probably should have been on the podium. I probably should have won it. I would have been on the podium, but we had a fuel pump that was that malfunction. It was mm. boiling the fuel. The fuck. fuel was boiling before it was made its way to the engine because uh, it was really hot. Yeah. Um. So my bike cut. I finished fifth, but it was it was just cutting missing. Out. It was cutting yeah. out. Yeah. So Nikki Nikki won that race. Um. And then came to Phillip Island and it was a flag to flag and mm. my first ever podium. So I finished yep. second there. So. We rewatched that race the other day. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. That's yep. an ama- that was an amazing year in MotoGP 06. It was. Got yeah. like, so I came in the same year as uh, as a lot of riders. Yeah. Randy Dupunier, Tony Elias, Casey Stoner, uh, Danny Pedrosa, myself. There might have been other rookies. Yeah. rookies. Maybe yeah, Sylvain Gintoli or he was the next year. to come in. Yeah. yeah I know. That's so a great Ka- Casey Stoner wasn't even rookie of the year. Danny Pedrosa was yeah, rookie of yeah, the year. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It's, <laughs> it was yeah. pretty tough. Um, pretty yeah. tough championship to come in. And then and then you had the Rossi um, Hayden yep. battle yeah. that year. Valentino fell off in front of me at Valencia. We just saw yeah. a photo There's of that. There's a frame to ask you that. Yeah. Um, he really struggled. He yeah. Was, he was really struggling, but Valencia is hard to pass. So I'm at the end of my first year thinking, oh, I'm trying to put a move on him, but I didn't want to do what Martin did to Marquez, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, you saw that Because if I take well. Valentino Rossi out, I'm not going to walk out of this place no, alive, 100%. you know? So yeah. I'm like, uh, I know he's struggling, but I can't quite, I kept losing out off the turn and I couldn't get, and then he just poof, went down. So what, Yeah, it's what, the same. I reckon he may have had a dud. And you don't know because, look, there were other times that year where I saw Valentino on track or I was racing close to him, but there was never really a time where I was going, geez, this guy's holding me up a lot. You know, yeah, so, okay. yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just pressure too. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? When you saw him crash in 06, were you just like, Jesus, like this is... No, I was like, oh, that's one less guy I got to get past. <laughs> that's all I thought. <laughs> I didn't really that's care. Like a race averse but, fan mindset, yeah, right? Yeah. Such a different mindset. That's one, yeah. one less guy. And I'm like, because I could still see the front guys. And I could see, well, there were two Ducatis. I knew that. And I could see, um, and we weren't that far behind, but I was like, well, we can... We can get up to there, but yeah, I think I had a gearbox problem later in the race, and I actually stopped, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so, Dude, so Troy Bayless won that race. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. God, what yeah. a what a year! That just I know it was cool. Hey. That. So Bayless, 
Ballas was in world championship for longer than me, or well, earlier than me. Yeah, not quite as about the same amount of years. And we over we crossed through World Superbike. I was in Supersport. Then he went to MotoGP. I went to Superbike. Then I filled in for him. Then I raced Grand Prix, and he went back to Superbike. So yeah. I've yeah. only ever done one world championship race against Troy, and he won it. It was that one, Valencia '06. <laughs> He's got the record. There you oh, go. God, that's amazing. Um. Well, tell us the differences between you came in in the 990cc era and yep. then raced the 800s. How different were those two motorcycles? Um, initially quite different. So, yeah, that again goes back to the Valencia test at the end of 06. We had our 990 Suzuki, which wasn't too bad. Um, we we had pneumatic valves. Yep. We were the first Grand Prix bike to have pneumatic valves. Um, so, Suzuki put a lot of development into 06. And we had a couple of DNFs because of they were just getting stuff ready for their 800. And pretty much our first test at Valencia was we finished on Sunday. They pulled the 990 engine out, stuck an 800 in the exact bike. Oh, we really? We Grand Prix. And uh, two days later, we tested and went half a second faster. <laughs> so, different, same chassis and everything? Identical. That that's is... not where we went to. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. We, we evolved from there. But that was yeah. the first test. They just... Shoved an 800 motor <laughs> into that 990 chassis. That's amazing. And um, and went faster. And I remember thinking in Valencia, especially all that infield stuff, this thing just turns like a 250, yeah, not a big 500. It wasn't like, ah, oh, get it in the corner and like try and get this. It just like, wow. And that's where the speed came. And, oh, we were maybe 10 Ks an hour slower down the straight. Yeah. Um, but it was like, wow, this is going to be good. And, and that was our best year. Suzuki sacrificed a bit of 06 to develop a good bike for 07 and both hopkins and myself were were pretty competitive in 07 and that's that's sort of what it takes when you're the smallest manufacturer with only two bikes on the grid yeah yeah that's how they got the most out of it basically yeah so take us back to 07 best year for yourself Mm -hmm. six in the championship yep talk us through that uh famous le mans race what was the feeling going into it did you think i'm i'm a shot here or no, I pretty yes. It's funny, hey. You sort of think that every race, yeah. Um, or maybe I'm not a shop, but oh, geez, I'm going to do like it's. It's a funny thing to explain. It's not cockiness, but you sort of just have this belief in yourself of most of the time, and I think most of the guys do on the grid. To be there, mm. you're going to have to. Yeah, one guy only has to something change or not be right, and you're going to be past them. You know, like the differences are so small. So. Um, no, I just remember the the race started out dry. It was sort of spitting at the start and then um, the rain got heavier and it was flag to flag and we came in. And um, I normally say my team were very, very good, the Suzuki Grand Prix team, and they normally gave me a very good bike. But for the wet bike, we did no wet test practice over that weekend. The wet bike was terrible. It was <laughs> The tires were great and chassis setup was good, but electronically, like the, the engine okay. setup, I was, it, was, it was shocking. So I... I turned the traction control off, like back down to really low and the engine brake control kept locking the wheel everywhere. So I was going in the corners like the old, old super bikes with the clutch in and yeah. just, just using just the rear brake because it was horrible. It was horrible. So it kept me on my toes and I had to work hard. And then I had this big gap and I thought, this is, we might win one here. And um, yeah, when I went across the line, I, for me, the greatest part of that was the team for the team what yeah. we'd done as a as a group so those those guys hadn't won a race since the five 500 cc yeah, days 
Kenny Roberts Jr. Since Kenny Jr. on a 500 two-stroke. So they'd spent millions and millions and millions every year to go racing to go and and we finally won one and the team you know and what it meant to them that that's where i was excited like i love winning myself but that was my job that's what i was expected to do if i had the equipment and everything put there for me that was my job that's what i had to do but yeah it was for the rest of the guys i was i was so excited and and what it meant to them and what it meant for a manufacturer and um Later in that year, Hopkins and myself were on the podium together at Mazzano, yes. second and third. And just what that meant, you know, we went to Japan after that and for the whole factory, you know, hundreds and hundreds of employees and what what actually meant to everybody, you know, yeah, that's um, that's where it was cool. Yeah, yeah that's wicked. So, should have won that Mizano race, so. Yeah. And now that I talked to Casey afterwards, I can't believe how much under pressure he was from you know he tells me 10 years later <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah i was like yeah. i'm on the limit thinking oh casey stoner's there and he, and he rode away from me at the end of the race he had more tire left but he he said if you got in front of me i had nothing i had nothing left i was on the limit and i'm thinking oh geez i wish i would have known that yeah, at the time, you know? been good to know that back then <laughs> yeah so definitely goes go for the path so that's unreal man <laughs> yeah so you know racing against some of the names you've just said who are some of the quickest or quicker people you've raced against that you thought so look, there's been lots of fast guys and great guys and so i've never been on track with mick doing yeah from one end and i've never been on track with mark marquez from the other um it's funny just off subject my daughter loves mark marquez because my sister likes likes him yeah and so she asked me are you you faster than mark marquez and i said well yeah the one year we were in the same championship i was quicker because he was on a 125 <laughs> 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 so yeah i've got it and she Take goes really and i go yeah she yeah. goes oh that's cool dad yeah. but, um no it, look there's great and i see where valentino rossi's good and i could see him on track and i could see a lot of the time how he made his lap time and he was impressive and same with lorenzo you know but casey stoner for me no one touches him in ability talent mm, yeah just oh wow like it, it's just i, I don't know I, I just don't know how to do it. Sometimes you'd be on track with him testing and you go, oh yeah, okay, I'm on the back of Casey and I've got good tires in or I've got, we've got this and we're going fast. All right, we'll sit there. And then out of one corner, he makes five meters on you and you go, oh, okay, next corner, like two corners layers, another five. And you just don't know where. And then all of a sudden, he's like two seconds up the road and you're like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. he's just unbelievable. We used to go like these things are quick right like accelerate quicker than a formula one car good start is like two two point two seconds to a hundred yeah first gear does 175 k's an hour (laughs) you know like it's five seconds to two zero to 200 k's an hour you know like they they move your stomach comes up when you haven't been on one for a while like you leave pit lane you haven't ridden one for four weeks in the off season and you you flick the pit lane speed limiter off and you accelerate and you go jesus that's yeah, right they're fast you know great. and then we used to go testing and i remember sitting there with a few of the other guys like caparossi and hopkins and we'd all have bets on what casey's first lap time would be oh, wow. no way. and you you would you would guess around within a quarter of a second of the lap record because that would be his first flying lap from from having a month off ridden one and he's the only guy that could do it and in my mind i reckon that's Part of the problem that Valentino Rossi had with Casey Stoner is that he'd never been on track with someone with so much talent 
that he didn't know how to deal with. How to, yeah, how to his pure speed, and I reckon that hurt Rossi. Oh, yeah. For sure, you know, for sure it hurt him. Yeah, Casey maybe didn't deal with it always the best way with the media and mm. different situations. But I mean, from <laughs> uh, he had it, he had it speed over everyone. Yeah, yep. that's funny. Everyone says that. A lot of people say yeah, he's one of the yeah. most Common naturally oh. talented riders. Yeah, but he still understood what he was doing, and he knew how to give information back. But get get speed out of a motorcycle. I just like I say, I could see greats like. Rossi and and he'd be quicker than you, but you could see how he was getting that speed out, and you'd use that. But Casey, you go, I don't even know where, where that's coming from. Where that come from? Yeah. It's just another world. He was a real alien. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think Mark's a bit the same. It seems yeah. like it. Yeah, I, I would love. I wish I was still as fast as I used to be, and that I could get on a track and actually ride with him and see where he where he makes what what, what he's like, you know. So yeah, but I'm way too slow now, and <laughs> he's way too fast. <laughs> Do you still keep in touch with Casey? Yeah, we stay in touch a little bit. Um, we're probably more friendly now than when we were racing each other. Yeah. We got on a bit when we were racing because we, we're the only two sort of traveling from Australia yep. um, to races occasionally. Um, we see each other around and, and I'd known him since I was 11 or 12 years old. But um, we went to England the same year. When I went to World Supersport, he went to Spanish Championship and then we ended up in MotoGP the same year um it's different paths and um but yeah now i think we get on better than ever and i got a lot of respect for him and i think he's, he's got a lot of respect for for what i did in the day as well so um yeah and we got girls both got two girls nearly similar ages um our wives know each other so yeah we, we get on quite well oh, that's yeah. really nice that's nice to see because he's up in the gold coast I'm- yeah he's only a couple of hours away yeah. from here so so uh, yeah we see each other a bit that's good fun yeah, no, that's um, that's cool, and it's it's amazing with the success that Aussies have had in Grand Prix and World mm. Superbike racing. Like, you know, it's not a massive, obviously not a massive population compared to the states or England or Spain, um, but we seem just to be so successful. You know, I know it's it's maybe it's from Speedway or flat I, track. I think it's the flat track, the yeah. dirt track racing back in the day, but everyone's caught on, especially since the social media era. Yep. And, everything's changed and now these guys are riding riding bikes that they're wearing out flat track bikes and super motard bikes and motocross bikes and those little ovales and there's all that sort of stuff these days that i think it's changed a lot since i was racing mm. but i think yeah in and even earlier than my era you know you mick mick Doohan came through the dirt track yeah. background i think you get a good understanding of how to feel a motorcycle and because when you when you start road racing the last thing you want to do is start crashing a lot first of all it's the speed's high and it hurts and there wasn't the safety aspect they got now yeah and the second one it costs a lot you know so you can't afford to do it so you you sort of grew up on your dirt bikes where the europeans didn't really and i think that's where the aussies and the yanks sort of had that edge of bike control and bike feeling yeah a lot of things like wet weather like obviously you're a bit of a wet weather expert Mm. looking at lamono 7 now i think those low grip flat track yep background helps out as well definitely helped that um that was a big thing for me and it gave me understanding like when i had to turn everything off and yeah. how, to, how to feel a bike and control it you know that's sort of what i did the other thing is i think for the rain it was a bit of a leveler we we lacked a few things yep. um at times and then it took away grip it took away speed it took away uh, so it made it a bit 
bit more even and uh, yeah. we had we had more of an opportunity i love that story you said before how you turned had to turn things off turn things up because yep. you just have to think of it in the fly and that shows real skill well that you'd be surprised how much work these guys are doing these days you know they're playing with ride height device buttons yeah wow. they're changing engine maps you're changing engine brake control you're, you're playing with traction control it's not just sitting on and you, and you got to remember you're doing that on a bike that's got 300 horsepower and it wants to throw you off the back so even even down a straight which is you're only on it for what not a lot not a lot of time a couple of seconds yeah and you're still fighting the thing yeah. and you might have to pull a tear off as well and you got to read your pit board and you got to push this button it's especially valencia last night like that's it's, it's you're sitting you're sitting on the straight for five seconds and that's yeah, it and there's no back straight really no so well, the back straight that kink through there yeah. is flat, and it's spinning yeah, you know? yeah. so yeah so yeah you, you're working hard you're yeah. earning your money yeah oh, definitely <laughs> yeah you don't think about you don't think about that like the, how, how much they actually have to do on the bike it it's more than you think you know yeah. so there's no ship to shore communication um so you go through all the possible well, scenarios you think might happen with your crew chief generally and they'll put in you know different settings that you can play with yeah electronically and um you go from there so if you're feeling tire wear or whatever you, you're going to make the change um the team might tell you or encourage you if they see sort of some signs they might put something on the pit board but mm. that's the only way they can communicate mm. communicate with you sorry did yeah. you have any messages on the dash or anything back in your day no, it was all, all pit board yeah. all pit board no mapping eight no mapping eight no <laughs> no. no didn't come up on my pit board either <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh yeah it's funny isn't it so i i love that that um that uh grissini did that for fabio yeah. i thought that was awesome that was that's just that is, um, that's a good sense of humor. It is. Yeah. yeah. That's a cracker, I reckon. So all that meant was you got five laps to go. Give it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't sit behind him and let him win the championship. No. No, no. That's all right. Nah. Well, why would you if you're almost out of a ride anyway? Well, that's it, you know. So Go for glory. Although I reckon maybe that changed what he did in Valencia a little bit. Yeah, I think he had him. I think he had him. I reckon. Yeah. yeah. He had more speed. Definitely. I know Pecco was stopping the bike in the middle of the corners, but I think, let's think about it. Pecco Bagnaia is a VR46 Academy rider, mm. right? Yeah, Ross was at get, the pit wall. He had the yeah, contact. Yeah, he and he's up. trying to get on that motorbike. Oh, last thing you're going to do is, to, yeah. even though it wouldn't have changed the championship result, but you're not going to. No, but you know. Mm. Yeah, I think Fabio had shown enough anyway. If he doesn't if he doesn't have a full-time ride on that bike, I'll be very shocked. I think a lot of people yeah. will be. Yeah. He deserves it, hundred percent. So. Yeah, you um you raced Suzuka eight hour once once. What year was that? Oh five. Okay, how was that? Uh, I was for the factory Honda. Yeah. So um so I was racing World Superbike at the same time, and I was so they had two factory Honda bikes that um it was Seven Stars Cigarette mm. Company livery um and we had bike seven and bike eleven. That's the factory Honda bikes. Or always famously those numbers, even from when Rossi rode it. Yeah. Edwards was always a 7011. And um, uh, so I was there with Fujiwara and the other bike was um, was Ukawa and um, Kianari. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Richie Kianari. Um, and we finished second and they won. <laughs> so oh, wow. Through the first pit yeah. stops, it got sorted out and we yeah. weren't really allowed to challenge okay our teammates because so it's interesting with hrc 
I got told at the time, this is 05, um, basic numbers, but they said our MotoGP budget's 50 million euros. Uh, we don't have a budget for Suzuka 8-hour, we just win. <laughs> so that's what it takes. So in the middle of that year when I'm doing the 8-hour, I, I went over testing. I was going backwards and forwards from Europe. One of the tests was straight after Mizano, I remember it. I finished second in the second race, both races in Mizano. The second race finished second as well. And um, podium, quick interviews, had to cut some of them short. Quickly out of the leathers changed into a helicopter to uh, Bologna Airport, Bologna, Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Nagoya, into a taxi, drove to the track. And I was about half an hour later from when I got to the circuit that I was on the bike doing a long run. That's that is, and then we test and then fly back to Europe. And the other thing was, so the tires were different of the bikes. So there's, I had a Tenkata bike in World Superbike. Um, so Tenkata built Honda on WP suspension, Pirelli tires, no electronics. And then the Superbike, the factory one, was on Michelin tires with shower suspension, different brakes. They had Brembo, we had Nissan. And then they had a different sort of ECU system, which had some basic electronics. So it's I might have been as well riding a bloody BMW as opposed to it was so different yeah, to my other bikes. Yeah. So I'm going backwards and forwards. And I reckon it had a little bit to do with maybe why we didn't win the World Superbike Championship as yeah. well. Um, just around a couple of those races, I was getting a lot of seconds and thirds where I probably should have won a couple of races. Okay. But it's if buts and maybes, maybe it wasn't. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a cool experience, but bloody hard work. Um, mm. And especially riding for factory Honda where the pressure is that we do win so um you couldn't get too fast you couldn't go too slow you know like out for example the lap time we need you, we need you to do a 209.5 not a 209.4 yeah. not a 209.6 we need 20 laps at a 209.5 <laughs> reel them off i wonder how long it's going to take for these japanese manufacturers to be up there again because in, in gp in, yeah mono gp yeah because that's the sort of thing that all depends on the moment. rules i think yeah yeah and that it's funny in MotoGP. So the sporting rules are decided by the manufacturers association, the MSMA. Mm. Um, so Dorna don't really have any, they have a little bit of say, but they don't, they can't dictate the rules. So the rules are decided by the manufacturers and any rule change is a unanimous decision by the manufacturers. So Ducati, Ducati just say no to anything they don't want. Is that right? Well, I'm probably being a bit harsh on them. Yeah. I, I remember back in the day, the Japanese... Japanese are very different. They're very loyal. They're very respectful. Yeah. And when the new manufacturers were coming in, that's why concessions were designed. And yeah. they were trying to help other manufacturers catch up to them. But when it's the other way around, I don't think it's so... Uh, <laughs> it's the same way. Let's put it that, let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah. I don't think it's the same. Yeah, they so, seem to have some pull in that in that paddock. Well, and they got eight motorbikes on the grid. Yeah. yeah. So imagine if if everyone kicks up a stink and, and Dorna go to them and say, you're going to change it, they'll go, oh, we'll just pull our eight bikes out. Yeah. What have you got? And you that's know, it. Like, yeah, that's right. There's no race yeah. then. So mm. Yeah, you got yeah. two Yamahas and yeah, a few Hondas. So, mm. so it'd be interesting if VR46 yeah. go to Yamaha in 2025. Yeah, I think we'll I talk think about this. We'll talk about this before. I think it's going to be a good thing for the sport. I think it'll be yeah. good. Yeah. I think it'll be good. I think it's it fits the Rossi thing. I think yeah. it, it makes, makes sense. Makes sense, yeah. And I hope they do it right in when Tech 3 were with Yamaha, they didn't have the same Yamahas. And that was for a couple of reasons. Yamaha couldn't supply four equal bikes and also Tech 3 didn't have the budget to pay for the 
late because they're they're very expensive you know it yeah. costs them a lot of money every year yeah and 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 i think a prettier have got that issue right now where the two factory bikes are very different to the two rnf bikes and that doesn't really help you develop so i hope yamaha do it right with vr46 and that the bikes are, are close enough to equal that they can mm. push forward you know yeah so, it's a good yeah. point you make um i think honda do it pretty well yeah, yeah from what i understand they just need to they just need to get their act together now well it's just yeah it's gonna be interesting isn't it well zyko is gonna help on that i hope on so that bike. i yeah. hope so and you need repsol honda up there like they are the team it's the t i don't know when i was growing up mick doing on a repsol honda like yeah it's and even when you talk to casey it's the team you wanted to go to yeah and even marquez says it now it's the team you dream about riding for it's a big thing leaving you know like oh, let's face it it's all the greats have been there so. yeah that's all right rossi even rode from yeah you know what i mean like, yeah yeah it's uh yeah, it's yeah. like the ferrari of formula it One. is isn't it yeah. yeah very much so so now it's going to be interesting um big changes the tuesday test i don't know when you're going to release this whether that'll be out by then but that's going to be um that's going to be we can't wait. Like, like, obviously, there's the big now. There's Mark going to the Duke, but yeah. it's Rins on a Yamaha. Yeah. Yep. What's that going to do? Zarco on the Honda. Acosta. Marini. Mm. Acosta coming in on a bike. Um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. on a Ducati. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How, how do you think Marquez will go on the Duke? I think he's going to be very fast. Yeah. I. <laughs> I don't know. I could be really wrong because I, I haven't seen anyone like him. It's almost like the ducati has a, a system and if you can work those systems to the best you'll get the most out of it and mark's never had to do that he's sort of always been able to ride a normal type motorbike yeah if if you like and and get the most out of it through himself but oh he's so good on the front end he's so good into corners i i just think the others i think they're gonna i don't know i just don't think they'll see which way he went but Wow. Hopefully I'm wrong. <laughs> Hopefully it's a close championship. So, so is, wow. he, is he your tip for next year? First right year? Now, he hasn't even tested yet, I know. Um Yeah, he'll be hard to he'll wow. be hard to beat. Martin will be stronger than Bagnaya. Yep. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh because he's got that experience now. He's won yeah. a lot of races. He's he's challenged for a championship. Um I think Bastianini, if he's fit, could be strong in a lot of races. Um, Bezeki, I don't think Aprilia are going to do anything with the guys that got on the bikes. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we always say that. Yeah. They need Quattararo on Aleish the bike. going to... He's got one more. He's going to retire at the end of next year. Yeah. So he's in retirement mode. So he's just filling up the pension tank, <laughs> isn't he? And then, I mean, I I really, really like Maverick Vinales. He's a, he's a great guy away from the track. Yeah. Like, I get on really well with him. But... He's just never going to do it there. Mm, He's no. just not a racer. If there was prizes for the testing world championship, it'd, <laughs> it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? You know, and, and a it'd lot of people say that. It'd be the goat. Yeah, unreal, <laughs> you know. And he's won races on a Yamaha before, so he's shown how he can do it, but yeah. he's just not a racer. Yeah. So, it's it's a hard one. Um, be good to see Oliveira on a competitive Aprilia and fit. Yep. Yep. Um, KDM, I think Binder's going to be strong. Yep. Really strong. Yeah. I hope Jack as well. But at the moment, you've got to say Binder's got his edge. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, That's Jack's fair. a hard one throughout the year. It's just, it's just that it's so frustrating. Yep. So frustrating. And, and look, he says they're, they're working on it and they're improving it. And it's good. And he and he felt really comfortable in that race in Valencia until he made that mistake. And, and that things are progressing. But it's for me, it's a little bit of the same story as Ducati where he just... 
he'd use the tire harder yeah. than his teammate. Yeah. To yeah. do the same lap time. Yeah. And he, that's his riding style as well. It's just, I mean, he's quick over one lap. Yeah. And he can put himself at the front. Yeah. But he just can't mm. seem to get the most out of it for a whole Grand Prix. So, yeah, it's either him and his crew or or just him or whatever. He's got to work on something. So, yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. That's a good shout. Yeah, oh, it's going to be exciting. And I think, and then going into 2025 uh, right. as well, it's going to be a whole Rider new... Rider market is going to be... Oh, yeah. I, know what, I reckon they will be signings before the first race yeah. of 24. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it, it just seems to happen earlier and earlier. Well, that um, Furman... Uh, Aldegare. Aldegare in Moto2, he's just shown an amazing talent the last five. Has he won five in a row? Four? Four, four, four I think. So, yeah. they're talking him Primac for 2025 already yeah. signed yeah. up. So... So yeah, he yeah he's gonna be another aspect going yes. in the next couple of years because yes. he's shown us some amazing talent and it shows like you spoke about before. Once you get click with the bike, mm. if you got if you got the talent, you're unstoppable. Oh, exactly. And um, what's interesting with isn't he from the same town as Pedro Acosta? He's from I, I think, think so. the same town. He's one year younger. Like they grew up Jeez, sort of racing. Something in the water there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bloody bottle that water up. <laughs> <laughs> Watch all these young kids move to yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever the name of the town is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting, isn't it? But he's yeah, gee, and impressive. Really impressive yeah. for an eighteen year old. And he's oh, yeah. not he's not small. No, no, no. He's not like no, he's a little dude. No, no. He's quite tall. He'd be he'd be he'd look fine on a motor GP bike. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, Very yeah. much so. And I think he'll uh he'll pedal one around quite quick as well. So Yes. Yeah, we can't wait. It's gonna be. It's gonna be so yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. Well, let's let's see. Mark hasn't even sat on the Ducati yet, but I think he's got, he's got a good team around him. I yep. think he's crew chief. I think that team set up well. They've proven they've can win races. Yeah. With two riders, they've they've had three different riders on the podium. Mm. Um, in Ducati, so. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I can't wait. And we mm. always kind of talk about it as well. Um we still kind of say that Marquez and Quattararo still look like they have the most talent. It's mm. just they're on not good packages. I think so. And you I know. think, yeah, both of them, but I think Mark still has another edge over Quattararo. Yeah. That's my opinion, but yeah, could be wrong. Respect where it's due. Yeah. He's still the best. Like yes. By a mile. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see when he gets on oh, the Duke. Eh? And how good his Duke is. Because you know, there's, he'll be on a year old one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, championship winning by. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be yeah. interesting. So maybe maybe it's better at the start of the year. Who knows? But maybe normally not. it's sometimes the case. It can most be of the times. Yeah. Can be. So, mm. so Chris, we are great fans of MotoGP. Watched it over years and years and years, and big fan of the pre-race coverage, Fox Sports. Yes. Um, what happened there? Did obviously Fox Sports went in a different direction. Yep. How did you feel about the whole situation? Oh, I loved it when I when I first got the call up. So my first ever TV gig was with Channel 10 in 2013. I think it was 2013. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. um, Rusty used to be on. Yeah, Rusty. Yeah, I did yeah. it with yeah. Rusty at the, for the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah. And um, Daryl Beatty was down on the track. And yep. it was cool working with Rusty and Daz. And I did interviews with them as a rider. Like they're yeah. just, and Daryl Beatty is one of my heroes. You know, yep. they're just great blokes. Um, and then I got the call up for Fox. Great production team. Well, it was actually Speed TV initially. Who yes. I yep. signed for signed for or worked for and um uh jess yates hosted kevin mcgee myself 2014 um and then it, speed got shut down and it all got moved to fox it was all owned by fox it's just yeah. rebranding um and we had a few different hosts but i was with kev for a long time and i really enjoyed it loved it because it kept me involved in the sport kept me connected with a lot of the teams and journalists in europe and and um yeah i re really enjoyed the tv work and then 
I think co. So I used to travel to Sydney yeah. for every race, um, and then maybe go to Europe, or probably normally go to Europe once a year to cover a race or two. Yeah, I remember that. It was I think maybe Assen one year, or from memory, yeah, Le, and Le I did Mans, uh, Bruno, Bruno, Bruno yeah. Year. And it was uh, interesting Austria. putting the coverage on and like, oh, they're, they're yeah, there. Yeah, we were there. <laughs> yeah. So that was the budget. They could they could send us for one <laughs> two or races. two races, you know, like one trip. So, but the rest of it we did at Sydney and, and, it yeah. was, and it was really cool and great production team and really good group of people we worked with. But then um, COVID hit yeah. and I was home with my kids and my kids were getting older. And I was like, you know what? I actually am enjoying not flying to sydney yeah that's a big um, effort every weekend it's a big effort getting up every and then as you know three and weeks you in a watch row and every everything and be on top of everything yeah. because i'm still a fan i still keep on top of it yeah but when you're live on tv and there's a delay or mm. you gotta you gotta be able to talk about everything yeah and and so you, you are working you know because you're you've yeah. got to be able to cover lots of situ lots of um scenarios and situations and and um but yeah, uh, I enjoyed not going. So I said, oh, look, I'm going to take a year off. And then it was two years off. And then mm. um, then I used to just do the Australian Grand Prix for them. Um, but then their whole Fox changed everything and yeah. production team changed and they got rid of a few good people. So uh, this year um, I decided to work for Channel 10. Well, I got, Channel 10 gave me a call and said, will you be interested? And I said, yeah, yeah I will actually. Yeah. And um, so I went and worked for for them for the Australian Grand Prix and um, uh, really different from inside that world working for a free-to-air network. Um, they have a lot bigger budgets and they do everything very well. I'm not saying Fox don't do it well, but it's but it's more for mainstream media too. So it's yeah. not as technical when you're, when you're talking about stuff. Um, but yeah, they love the color and, and they do it well. So I really enjoyed, enjoyed it with 10 this year, but yeah, I don't like the situation that Fox don't have the pre-race show anymore. Yeah. Because um, yeah. when I left, uh, Magoo was still there and Damien Cudlin sort of took my spot. Um, and uh, I think they were doing a, a great job. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's powers to be. You got to... So Fox is a massive company and yeah. there just seems to be like another level of management and another level of management mm. and then the bosses and people make calls that they might not even watch MotoGP, never even seen the race, yeah. you know? And I, and I was there for eight years, I think, mm. and no no, um, no feedback, no, no no, bosses, never really spoke to anyone apart, apart from my production team, no media training, mm. did nothing, just, here you go, you're in front of the camera. Oh, I remember talking crazy. to Kev once, he's, he's funny, because he, he's had none either, and you can tell. And uh, <laughs> I love Magoo, I think he's the greatest player in the world, and, he, and he's really good, and he's got great stories, but... I, I remember sitting there and it's like, because there's like three or four different cameras and I'm like, so for, after a couple of rounds, I'm like, so Kev, like, when do you talk to the camera? Do you like, when you're doing this? Or, <laughs> he goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Worry about a camera. I never look at the camera. I don't, don't worry about talking to a bloody camera. And then I remember the host at the time and he's like, oh no, Chris, like, if you want to, you want to actually make a point, then you sort of point down the camera and you finish off your statement. Because the light you know, goes on like, top of the camera and stuff. Yeah, so you yeah, know yeah. which one's on yeah, and there's yeah. normally a screen and you got, so you got people talking in your ear as well. So yeah. it's quite full on. You got to, a director so yep. telling you which shot or maybe telling you to move or whatever and then the producer telling you what's coming up next or we want while you're talking they might say we need um we need more on this or that nah, cut it off yep. we need to go to a break or yeah you know, so yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot going on you're busy but um yeah magoo's magoo's uh he's a <laughs> he is an old school motorbike rider from way back yeah. and um 
Yeah, loves it. <laughs> well, like you were saying, um, this was before the pod, he was an employee for Fox for 26 years. Yeah, so, or, yeah, yeah, 96 or 97. Yeah, the longest serving employee. Longest and, serving employee and then yeah. he, he got the axe as well. But um, like I say, new management comes in and they're yeah. like, we're going to do this better and we're going to do... And then nothing happens. So, yeah, yeah Moto, tell me. MotoGP fans are passionate fans. Yes. And, yep. and they're loyal fans. Yes. So, that was probably a big thing. I think so. I don't yeah. think, and they got it exclusive as well. So I don't think it was a the right thing. You yeah. know, they took it from ten, um, or not took it from ten. They it, they got it exclusively. So it was on two net. It was on free to wear and pay, and then it goes exclusive, and then they cut out mm. the Australian content. Anyway. Yeah. It's sort of I don't know. Anyway, who knows? I'm not the one paying the bucks. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's one of those. One of those. Mm. We will never probably know the full story. <laughs> Anyway, that's all right. That's, uh, but we do miss it though, and um, we did love uh, Kevin's rants. Yeah, rants they were on. cool. So did we, and <laughs> because we didn't know what we were getting. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. The good times was when I was with Chris Stubbs. Yeah. So Stubbsy, I, I, I really like Stubbsy, and on air talent is brilliant, and he could pull a show together. Some of the, some of the stuff going on behind the scenes, and he's so professional and brings it all, and then. Sometimes afterwards, we'd sort of have a bit of a debrief and he'd go, I don't know what Kev was on at all. Like you throw him <laughs> something and you didn't know what you were going to get back. But other nights, he, he'd be brilliant. And, you yeah. know, like, but that was just Magoo. And- we found that a bit, little bit with Simon Crafer at the start. Yeah. His coverage. Yeah. I thought, what is he talking about? It was so, <laughs> so different hearing a Kiwi on the coverage. And then yeah. now he's just amazing he's to listen to and, lo- yeah, he, and loved, you know. He, he is loved and his yeah. technical ability is good. I've known Simon for a long time. I'm really good mates with Simon. Yeah. So we we lived in Andorra. I could see his house from mine. Like we lived on the other side of the valley. We yep. spoke to him at GP this year, and he's and um yeah, he's been lived in Andorra for oh he was there twenty he years was one or something. Of the, oh yeah. longer, I yeah. reckon longer because I went there in 03. I moved there, and he was well and truly set up. Yeah, there then because um, his wife's from there, and his no kids. no his wife's um Kiwi. Oh, his wife's she, Kiwi, but okay. they they're all set up there. And they're the all kids, set up. Yeah, the kids um. His kids were young when I when I was living there. Yep. They're, they're grown up now, but it, it's funny as because they speak. They went to an international school, so yeah. they speak um, Spanish, French, Catalan, yes, and then English. But they go, they could just flick languages, but their English is a full Kiwi accent. So it's oh, it's hilarious when you brilliant. you go, yeah, yeah. So they go from Spanish <laughs> to French, and then they go to English, and it's full Kiwi. So it's it's, it's quite funny. But no, I, I've known Sam for a long time, so I, I get on quite well with yeah, him. Yeah, he's good to listen to. He yeah, is. really good. Yeah, and look, lovely, lovely guy. Mm. Yeah, lovely person. So he is, yeah, and he's passionate about the sport. Yeah. He just loves it. He loves it. But he was the same when he was racing. I remember I was a fan of his when, as a rider. You know, he gave a hundred percent all the time. So. Yeah, Good yes, point. no, cool bloke. Yeah. Do you still keep an or do you still keep still keep an eye on World Superbikes? Still watch that? What's yeah, your thoughts look, on that? I do, not as in depth, but yeah. um, but yeah, I watch most of the races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. um, love the racing. Yeah, love that it's close. Um. It's going to be exciting next year too because obviously we've got some rider movement there um, and some rule changes, or not rule changes, but modifications to each of the manufacturers. So Kawasaki getting a few more revs. Yeah. Um, there's that that rider and bike combination weight, weight whether yes. that's going to yeah. affect anything with Bautista. I look, I think Alvaro is, is equal in riding ability to Top Rack and Johnny Ray generally and the Ducati has a step. Is yeah. an advantage. Yeah. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Top Rack goes on that Beamer, because that's hasn't 
been able to win many races yet with a number of different riders, but they haven't had someone of his level either. So, yeah. and I think Jonathan Ray is going to be quite strong on the Yamaha. I think the Yamaha is a pretty good package. Yeah. Um, so I think Johnny's not any younger now, and I don't think he's at the peak of his career, but I think he'll win a, he'll win a few races, whether he can win another championship, but he'll definitely win some races, I reckon. So yeah, should be good. And then the, I mean, yeah, there's there's some young guys coming in as well, isn't there? Remy Gardner, I think, very strong in testing. He's had a full season under his belt now. I think we should see a few podiums out of Remy. Um, That'd be good. Yeah, he's he definitely. Looks, fun. Look, yeah. He's a Moto Two World Champion. He's, yeah, he's not. He can um, ride a bike. He's not a hack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the guy can ride bikes. We forget things so quickly. Yeah, you do, sport. don't you? Like what one Mir, for instance, Morbidelli. Like these guys are guns, and we just we just forget Juan about Mir, them. for like his talent. Yeah. He, he came in and did a few wild cards in Moto Three. Was on the podium in his second yeah. one or something, and the next year was Moto Three champion. Yeah, you know? yeah. and then he's an and then did a year in Moto Two and then got signed up by Suzuki. And he's a Moto GP world champion. Like the guy hasn't been there a long time. He's got a lot of talent, and then he's just legit. like Repsol Honda, just oh, oh, no. oh, oh poor fella. <laughs> Yeah, yep. well, it'll be shocking. interesting to see. If, so, Marini's going, obviously. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think I don't think it's been announced. Yeah. But it's, oh. That's an interesting aspect. It's going to be get another. So you got two years there, which is interesting because what... Repsol were, up, were offering most people one year yeah. on the bike. Um, but it seems like he's got two years. Do you think so. Rossi had an impact on that? Well, he's his manager, isn't he? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, and his brother, <laughs> and his, his brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and it is an interesting move. And he obviously feels like he wants to ride for a factory, and mm. yeah, and I can see, I can see advantages because when you are a factory rider, you are developing things, you're testing things, things change quickly. Like even when I was with Suzuki, you know, different <laughs> chassis come in, and it's 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 ideas you want. When you're with a satellite team, you don't really get any of that say, but you don't have that responsibility either. You're just there to try and improve over the weekend and get faster and faster and faster. Yeah. You're not you're not developing a motorbike as well. So mm. yeah, Lucas. He's an articulate guy. It might suit him that role. You know, he's not. Yeah. He's not your standard MotoGP rider. He's no. very different. Yeah, very, very different. He is. Very calculated. Yeah. Um, I personally think he needs to up his aggression a little bit. Yeah, a little bit more. Uh, yeah. And I found that, and we talk, spoke about yeah. that on the pod yeah. many times. And mm. um, I think that's just his next thing. Same as like you look at Joel Calso in Moto Three, little gun, but yep. just needs these Spanish kids are just so ruthless. Yeah. Yes, they he are. He just doesn't have that that edge. No, that sort of fighter. In yeah. Him, so. mm. It's gonna be interesting next year. He should be. Hopefully we'll on a better team. bike, yeah, yeah. Much better yep. So, but he's shown some speed the last part of this year. I think that podium at Phillip Island gave him some confidence. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was cool. We were sitting at turn one, I think, for the race, and we we're sitting next to one of his cousins or something, and they were yeah. going off. It was a good. Half of Darwin was down, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were from. They looked like they were from Darwin. <laughs> what were <are> you saying? <laughs> I just, you know, rough around the edges. Yeah, see, no, it's, it's good though. It's good. Uh, I got some mates from that. Growing up in a country town. Yeah, some of my friends down yeah. at Phillip Island were. Um, they knew they knew we were from the country. But yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So. Did you have any um, like good after race parties? Was it pretty? Was it pretty big and popular back then, or was it pretty? I, I was really boring. My wife was not. Yeah. Tony Tony liked to party hard. Um, I was focused. My whole thing was about going faster on a motorbike. But yeah, we look. We had some good dudes, and I think the superbike days were way more relaxed. Yeah. I think through that early 2000s when I was in the Superbike paddock with Colin Edwards and Ben Bostrom and Troy Corsa and Bayless. And there was pretty much a barbecue 
or a bit of a get together after every race. That's cool. The motorhomes would be parked up. There'd be barbies fired up. Be a few beers going around, and everyone just having a good time. Um, MotoGP it happened occasionally, but a lot less. Yeah. Uh, and then I noticed when I came back to Superbike um, with Kawasaki at the end, it it had changed a lot too. It, it's just when money comes in and it all gets more serious. More commercialized. It was it was yeah. really a fun times um, yeah. when I was there in the early Superbike days. There was a there was a guy I knew, Pav, he, uh, an American, he worked for the American Air Force. I lived in Germany and he used to just come to some races. I used to get him pass mm. and he'd come in with his F-150 American pickup and a big Weber Barbie on the back and he used to set up in the in the paddock and cook inch thick T-bones that he flew in on a pl- on an Air Force plane like a week <laughs> earlier. It's like we had a good time in World Superbike in those days and I was winning yeah. races. Everything was 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 really fun yeah. in those times. Like you say, when when it's all going well, it's yeah, it's good, yeah, so... Going back to your MotoGP years, 08, 09. 09, you had a really good year. I think you scored points in pretty much every race. Yeah, 09. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm telling the story. <laughs> you probably know the stats for so, me. Yeah, that could be right. Did the novelty wear off for you after that while? Or was being a factory rider for in the MotoGP was just the dream come true? No, it was what I wanted. Yeah. But it was my job. So, yeah. um, it was, it's funny. If I was... I was very focused at what I did. I was sometimes maybe a little bit too much. Like even when I won at Le Mans, for example, or I had seven podiums. So let's just yep. go off any of those. Um, I would be straight back after the podium. I would find my main guys that I spoke to. So crew chief, data engineer, uh, project leader, suspension technician, all those guys. And we'd debrief as soon as possible because I had all this information in my head. Mm. And I used to write reports as well after the race, like, monday tuesday as i was digesting stuff and i would i would send them a couple of page long reports of what i was feeling on the bike and my crew chief would add that to his report that would go back to japan so interesting Mm. so for me that was my job and i worked hard and i tried everything to get everything out of it if you if yeah leave no stone unturned. yeah 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 it's interesting though you're young and you make mistakes and I wish I could go back with the knowledge I've got now. Yeah. You know, the things you'd oh, always, perhaps do. Yeah. But everyone says that. Yeah, everyone know, says so. that. Yeah. It's just the way it is. But you're a Grand Prix winner and they'll never take it away from you. I know. They can't take that away. Exactly. No. Yep. So I think I may be the, not that it's much of a start, the only person that's won a super sport race, a super bike race and a Grand Prix. Um, Premier class. Yeah. That's a, that's honestly, that's, that a big, a that's a big stat because um, a lot of, uh world superbike riders have had the attempt of going over and yes they just can't can't seem to get the grips of the prototypes so yeah there's been a few guys that have gone so bayless won one yeah but he was there for three years i was there for four so you know it's not like we had great long grump we didn't have 10 Mm -hmm. 10 year grand prix careers um edwards went there was for a long time but never won a race yeah um ben spees won one yeah but only had it was only there a couple of years yeah. really. Tozlins, yep. Tozlins, uh, um, didn't win one. Did yeah, he? I don't think he stood on the podium. No, I don't think he did in MotoGP. Um, showed speed at times. Yeah, but but didn't didn't come together for whatever reason. Um, yeah, there hasn't been many guys yeah. that have come from Superbike because Grand Prix, it's you're developing through those junior and they've made it even harder now yeah. with all the junior classes and the feeders in and. They don't really want it to go that way. They don't want to be. They don't want to pull people from other championships. Mm. They want to. They want to feed them up. So whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But yeah. I, I like it. I like the superbike 
way and and going that way i think it's cool like seeing yourself guys like colin edwards troy bayless and all those guys come over really brought a different aspect when when they were riding yes you know and it was and I, I always seemed like they had a bit more personality as well. Yeah. I, I think you brought up in the Grand Prix paddocks and it is it is very insular. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you're in this little world. And I know the media like, they used to come to me and ask for an interview. And then my the PR guy from the team would be like, we didn't organize it. I'm like, oh, they just come and ask me. I said, yeah, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But that's Grand Prix now, you know. Yeah, they, right. you got to go through the media managers and you got to do this. You gotta, like back in the day at Superbike, Jono would come up and see you got time oh yeah come back in like an hour and i'll yeah i've got 20 minutes yeah cool yeah you know it's just it was just easy but they seem to make it hard <laughs> yeah i know but it is to protect some of the big names um and then yeah look some of the riders love it but yeah well it's interesting seeing like down, we we know the back of the pits at phillip island we think that's moto gp but mm. apparently the facilities down there are- oh it's the worst oh. in the world <laughs> it's the worst compared to like them walking through all the fans and the like we're going to the toilet. We're standing next to Mark Marquez. Yeah. Like at the yes. urinal. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. And like, we think that's how it is normally, but it's not like that in Europe. No, obviously. definitely not like that in Europe. <laughs> in Europe, the riders are in their motorhomes and the hospitality yeah. units are very big and the facilities around are, are, are much greater. Yeah. yeah. Phillip Island, it's unique. And it's hard for the, for the Fox family to justify upgrading all that facility for what? Two races, you yeah, got World Superbike and MotoGP. Yeah, no, really, no supercars not, anymore. And, and the, for, yeah. for domestic championships, it's fine. Yeah, you know, it's, it do, it does a job. So I get that. But, I wonder um, if they'll get an ultimatum one day. I reckon it's been on the cards for a while, mm. but it's an interesting scenario, isn't it? Because the Grand Prix is run here by the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. Yeah. And then they lease the circuit off. Says, so yeah, who knows what yeah. goes on politically yeah. in those, those loops? Yeah. Have you have you ridden on the the bend yet? No. Okay. I've never been there. Yeah. No. So. Nor of us. No. no so I'd yeah. uh, I'd be keen to one day. Yeah. Because it's sort of like the premier facility now, I suppose. So. Mm, that's what they say. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Fox family are building another track in Melbourne near an airport they own. Is that correct? Down near Avalon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. There's plans for it. Yeah. yeah. They're going to have build a whole facility in like a motorsport park. So. Yeah. Oh, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Mm. You haven't heard of that. There you and go. They have like, they're going to have like car dealerships and stuff there as well. So you can test the cars on the track. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, I think it's been in the plans for a few years. <laughs> yeah. Which is a cool scenario. Oh, that's wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, that's but I think nothing is going to be like that. Like we were talking about the circuits, Phillip Island. They were drawn on a map around a paddock yeah that's not, it not on a computer no exactly like the worst thing you can hear is a herman tilkus design circuit i know because it's just designed on a computer and you just don't get that same it doesn't create for the same no. racing they look at the look at the grand prix we get it for the yeah yeah, yeah. Sensational, isn't it? coming over that rise seeing the water yeah. into turn one like yeah. there's just nothing else and like no it. bloody green paint it's grass on the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no one's gonna run off yeah like yeah Casey and I were banging on about this years ago in the safety commission. Just leave the grass there. No one will go off. Yeah. They always want more bitumen and then paint it and then they just run out there. Yeah. It's not... It's... it's uh, takes yeah. away. Yeah. They, they, they say it's for safety, but oh, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> no, neither do we. <laughs> no, the grass on tracks. That's the big difference for me. And we, yeah. we, still, yeah. we talk about this. Yeah. Look, we want to make it as safe as possible. But if it's if it's dangerous, no one's going to ride out there. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know? 
So Well, you look at even turn one at Valencia on the weekend. Yep. They run right outside to the pit lane to cut right in. Yeah. And then you look at Martin running wide on the first yes. corner. He wouldn't got anywhere near that spot if there was grass there. No, that's it. Or even just gravel. Yeah. Mm. If it's just a gravel yeah, runoff yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So it changes so, their mindset, as yeah. you would know. Control. It does change your mindset yeah. completely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It changes very much so. Yep. So anyway. <laughs> so that is what it is. It's a good thing about Philip Holland, though, is like it is so far away. And as soon as you cross over the bridge, it's just like a hub. It's just yep. a, like yeah. we always like shit on Philip Holland for its terrible facilities and, you know, the weather, <laughs> take, and taking, the weather. A, taking a piss next to Lynn Jarvis or something like that <laughs> and saying, yeah, good race, mate. But, um, but like, you know, the Saturday night and cows, it's always just like it's magical. You know, it's, it's the experience. Yeah. Yeah. It does, it goes off, doesn't it? And it, it is a great atmosphere. And, and the teams and riders love coming there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they think it's, um, they think it's, and it is cool because it's unique and, you know, just everything about it and it's close to the coast. And and I don't reckon you'll find many riders that'll say they don't like Phillip Island. Yeah, I reckon yeah. everyone's the, the trip. top, top yeah. five of nearly every rider's list, you yeah. know. And that doesn't matter. All, all classes all around the world, yep. Yeah, it's cool. And it's it's just a good atmosphere. They generally love the Aussie fans. Yeah, they. I can tell you everyone loves coming out here. Yeah, that's cool. They just hate the flight and they all complain about it. The Europeans are funny. They're like, oh, all the way to Australia. <laughs> I used to do that every race. Like, yeah. Or, you know, not every time. True, but I've been yeah. doing it like six or seven times a year. Come on, stop complaining. Well, next year it's interesting. There's a two-week break before Phillip Island, which is normally pretty rare. Yeah. 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 It, it is, normally comes it straight from either Thailand or... Yep. So that's going to be interesting. So they're probably going to be able to come home first and then come all the they way might, They might go home. There yeah. might be a few of them that might come out here and yeah. stay. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see. Hmm. Depends how tired they are because the season's now, eh? 20, so 21 races. It's hard work. It is. We were speaking to... I did 17 and 18, I think, in my... Yeah, that's your most you've done. Yeah, yeah 18 yeah. was the most. I think 17. Because we, we were over hearing John Hopkins, your old yep. teammate in the pits, and he hadn't been home for, I don't know, two and a half months, he said. No. Nah. And no. he goes, like, yeah, he goes, like, he goes, I wouldn't know how the kids are going. I haven't seen them. I haven't seen it. It's hard, hey. <laughs> yeah. It's hard being like in a family and the mechanics. And yeah. You, how many people are in that paddock. Yeah. You know, it affects a lot of people, not like just the riders. There's, yeah. there's a lot of people in that paddock. Even yeah. like the, you know, the little Moto3 mechanics. And like I know. This, and this, all those guys, they don't fly business class. No. They're in the back of the plane yeah, all the way yeah. and everywhere, every weekend. Yeah. You know? And they can't make a mistake. Yeah. Working on the bike. You know, they might be jet lagged and tired and hungry and. Everything else, yes, not easy. No, no, but not. they love it, and that's why they do it. So yeah, it's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. That's um, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the stuff you just don't see. I you guess. don't see now. The hard that's work. Right. That's it. When you were racing in GP, um, after a few years, like dealing with the like walking through the paddock, was it always pretty chaotic? People trying to always get photos with you. Yeah, look, it it was. Um, It'd be hard to handle, I reckon. It didn't really worry me because they're just people that love motorbikes yeah. and they admire what you're doing. And I think, like, I like motorbikes. That's, yeah. that's why I started. So, they're going to do it. They've they're, got the same interests. So, they're generally, most, 99% of the people are great people. Yeah. You know, um, you get the odd idiot here and there, but um, mm. that's in anything, that in right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I just... I thought it was part of the job. Um, I never had heaps of fame, if you know what I mean. Like occasionally at restaurants and things, people would come up to me, especially in Spain and Italy. Even England, there was a bit more following, much more than Australia, yeah. for example. Yeah. But I can't imagine what it would have been like for someone like Valentino or maybe Mark. Um, it's almost 
it's almost real celebrity status, yeah. isn't it? You know, and, it, and it's got to be hard work. You know, Mark flies and, and Valentino did as well. They were private planes everywhere just to, because they can't get through an airport because yeah. it's just yeah. people want a piece of them all the time. So, and they never wanted really to do that, but that's what forces upon yeah. them. Mm. So, yeah, it's just the way it is. So, it's um, it must get hard as it gets more. Mm. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind it. It's okay. fine. Yeah. I guess before social media as well. Oh, geez, I'm glad I raced before social media. <laughs> yeah, because everything was signature back then. Now everything's selfies. Yeah, and, selfies yeah, are like, yeah. yeah, people would maybe take photos on phones, but they were pretty crappy. Yeah, like, yeah, Nokia's yeah. or, you know, and Motorola the photo wasn't flip. great. And they yeah. probably lost that photo by now and all that. But everything, yeah. And, and even just social media, everything's out there in the world these days. Like, yeah, I didn't have a social media page until I stopped racing. Yeah. So, geez, it's it's different world you yeah. know everything that's going on all the time like it's great being a fan because you see it all but it'd be hard work yeah. being a rider trying to keep because you're expected to do that as well so yeah different riders hard. handle it in different ways yeah so like you look at casey just just wasn't his cup of tea at all no <laughs> wasn't his cup of tea but then you look at other like we behind the pits quite a you never really see him um but then some riders embrace it yeah jorge martin's pretty good with the yeah. fans yeah yeah so it's just different people different personalities as different, well different personalities yeah. exactly that and that's that's it, like it yeah. everything yeah yeah exactly yeah beautiful that's wicked yeah you got anything to add daniel no not really we, we got a little pro, uh, we got a little present for you are you a present yes do we have it do yeah it's get just it? over there i'll grab it yeah daniel will get it we we go. Yeah, 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 we just got something to add to your collection. <laughs> it's got to go in front and center, though. <laughs> All right. I want a whole new trophy cabinet just for it. <laughs> yeah, I needed to win more trophies. That was cool. <laughs> it can it can sit on the MotoGP bike, I oh, reckon. Really? This one. So, let me oh, get... not sit on my mic. <laughs> too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too late. Uh, so hear all the noises that come <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. Ask his misses that one. Got kicked out. Got kicked to the lounge room. Uh, this is just a little something from us. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, and, cool. Um, shout out to Stacey for helping us out with the helmet. So from us to you, Chris. All right. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Sweet. I'll have a look at this. Um, you never have too many helmets, right? No, they're definitely not. Well, that, that's my theory. I get, <laughs> I get told off for it, but it's my theory. <laughs> just one more. Oh, if I can get it open. <laughs> yeah, it's locked tight. <laughs> <laughs> We use this bag to uh, carry to the beach yesterday as well. So <laughs> That's why I'm struggling with it. There we go. Oh, cool. Oh, sweet. You've even signed it. Yeah, those signatures don't mean much, but there you go. <laughs> so you never know. There should be uh, something else in that bag as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I think. Is there anything in there? I just ditched it, didn't I? No. No. <laughs> 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 no, that's cool. We'll give it to you after. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sweet. So that's the collection. Yeah. yeah nice. Like, I'll put that up. A one you. of one. Yeah. <laughs> one of one. I think it's yeah. One of one. We it just is. wanted to say yeah, it's uh, a privilege to obviously um, meet yourself and Renita. Yep. Um, well, you, you put up with podcast. my sister, so yeah. <laughs> no, she's, well. she's amazing. <laughs> no, she's yeah. awesome. She's very cool. She's gonna be a star one day. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure? No, no joking. No, <laughs> she loves it. And look, I feel sorry for her in some ways, but I was racing. She's 11 years younger than me. Yeah. So like I said, I started when I was 11. So she was coming to motorbike tracks in, in mum's tummy, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. She's done it her whole life. Yeah. yeah. So poor girl. 
She's told us some. <laughs> she's told us some pretty cool stories over the years. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, she probably remembers them better than me. She hasn't hit her head as many times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for mate. coming on. It was awesome. Um, you know, just giving us your time is. Yeah, no, that's we really appreciate no, it. I uh, I love what you do, and it's great for anyone that can promote the sport. You know, yeah. it's a sport we love, and um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be listening and enjoying the rest of them. Thanks, beautiful, mate. awesome, awesome. Cool. Thanks, thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks Chris. Cheers, Cheers guys. guys.